Welcome to Speaking of Grace, the weekly message podcast from the Whole Life Church in Orlando, Florida. We're a multi-ethnic, multicultural, and multi-generational congregation committed to our mission of loving people into a lifelong friendship with God. We are committed to our vision of being a church without walls, fully engaged in serving the people of our community. Thank you for joining us as we continue Speaking of Grace. Good morning, family. Is it beginning to feel a lot? Oh, wait. Okay. I was just asking. I, was, I, I love it. You guys are like interactive. That's good. December's here. There's a chill in the air. Well, I mean, you know, it's Florida. It's close. Come on, just work with me. Imagination's a good thing. Yeah? All right. Well, I hope your uh, December's off to a great start. And, uh, Man, just love this music, huh? Yeah, yeah. And it's good to see, uh, it's good to see uh, some of our family back from college, you know, participating, yeah, so. Not trying to call anyone out or anything, but, yeah. Good to have family back from college. All right, let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we love you. Uh, help us to live a life of faith. As we consider the story of the Magi today, Lord, I pray that it would inspire us. Inspire us to be faithful like they were. We pray in your name. Amen. So as you might have heard in the prayer, we're going to be talking about the Magi today. We're doing a series of sermons called Arise to Christmas. It's right there on the screen behind me. Um, And uh, what we're doing is we're talking about different people in the Christmas story who are given the opportunity to arise to make a decision to do something. And as you notice, we're, we're lighting Advent candles. The first one was the candle of hope. We talked last week about hope. And this week, the next piece of hope is actually faith. Um, faith is what we're going to be talking about today. And we're going to be talking about it in the context of the uh, Magi. And so our theme text is this one. Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his stars at rose and we have come to worship him. So what's the craziest trip you've ever done? Because I'm about to freak some of you out right now. You ready? You got yours in mind. Here's, here's, it's actually one of my favorites that I've ever done. So I came home on a Friday and it was a long weekend. And for whatever reason, I had, did not have to preach that Saturday. And we hadn't made plans. We hadn't made plans to do anything. I think we just thought, well, we'll just stand by. I came into the house. Rochelle was home. The kids were home from school. And I said, pack your bags. We're leaving. And they're like, to where? And I said, exactly. And they said, wait a minute. Do we pack a swimsuit? I said, you better, because I don't know where we're going. They're like, come on. So no, seriously, go pack. So they packed. We threw the stuff in the back of the car. We got in the car. And the kids said, so seriously, where are we headed? I said, I don't know. But here's a pack of Uno cards. Yes, Uno cards. That's what they were. So here's a pack of Uno cards. And here's what's going to happen. We're going to mix them up. And whoever... Between the two of you, the kids were in the back. See, I said, between the two of you, you'll draw one card. Whoever has the highest card, we go in the direction that they're seated on. 
I told you, some of you are going to have a heart attack over this, right? It's going to really stress you out. Some of you are like, best idea ever. We're doing that tomorrow. <laughs> so we go out of the driveway, come to the end. All right, kids, pick a card. Okay, we're going left. So we go left. I will say there were some modifications as things went along and we started going in circles. That was that. We had to modify it a little bit, a little bit, just to make sure that we didn't go in circles. But I will tell you, one of the coolest vacations we've ever done, we wound up, we're going from Nashville, we wound up in Paducah, Kentucky, home of Stephen Curtis Chapman, for those of you who love uh, Christian contemporary music. And uh, that was about all I knew about Paducah before we got there. And I would never have chosen to vacation in Paducah, Kentucky. But let me tell you what, it was awesome. They have a gorgeous river walk, a beautiful river walk. And by the way, along that river walk, they've got some really cool restaurants and an amazing ice cream shop that we may or may not have been led to by, uh, by more by my stomach maybe than uh, drawing of cards there. Very memorable trip. We also, it also, we also wound up going through a place called the Land of the Lakes, another amazing place. Um, so like I said, if you ever are looking for a vacation, that was a cruel one. But it was so fun because it was so random. And I know some of you are like, that is not fun. That is not fun at all. That's stressful. You don't, but I thought it was fun. We had a good time. And the kids still remember that vacation as the vacation of drawing of cards to find out where we're going to wind up. I know I have to admit to you, the whole time I was doing it, I was like, what if we get in an accident? And then they're like, well, did the cards take us the wrong way? Or, you know, I don't know. Anyway, so I'm glad that God didn't choose to mess with my mind with that one. Um, but as weird as that is, can you imagine when we look in Matthew chapter 2 and we start thinking about the story of the Magi? Now, some of you are... are completely familiar with the story of the wise men or the Magi. You've heard it. You can probably tell it better than I'm about to tell it. You know the story, but there's some of you in here that you've just maybe heard about it in Christmas songs. And maybe there's a few of you here or watching online who have really honestly, you've never heard the story before. And you're like, I don't even know what you're talking about. What is Magi? What is Wiseman? I don't know the story. So for those of you who've heard the story a number of times, are you okay if we just go ahead and go through it a little bit? For those who maybe not be as familiar with it, would that be okay with you if we, if we go through that? Is that okay? Okay, cool. Thank you for being inclusive. That's one of our values here, right? Okay, so here's how the story goes. It's in Matthew chapter two. You can start in verse one. If you have a Bible, you can get a Bible app on your phone if you don't have a Bible. And by the way, if you'd like a hard copy of the Bible, all you have to do is ask any one of the pastors here. We'd be more than happy to give you a Bible if you'd like a hard copy of it. So Matthew chapter two, starting in verse one, it says, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. This is very important. Matthew's setting things up. This is what happens when you're a storyteller. You set things up. Okay, and so Matthew is actually being very intentional. You notice that he tells where Jesus was, was born. This isn't random. It's gonna become important because the wise men do not go to where he was born to start off with. So Matthew's making sure you know where Jesus was born. Now about this time, Matthew says, some wise men from Eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his stars at rose and we have come to worship him. Now, if I said that somebody, that somebody came from Eastern lands, you would maybe think, well, let's see, there's, uh, where's East? Which direction is that? 
Well, let's go ahead and help you out a little bit. This is our church. This is where we're at this morning. I'm sure this is a live view that Google's supplied to us. Or, oh, wait, there we go. We're going on a little trip. We're coming up over Florida. Let's see if we can get out to the Atlantic. Oh, and now let's go east. Yep, there we go. We're headed east. We're going to go across Africa. We're going to zoom down into the Middle East. All right, let's go ahead and put, I know that you're American, so you're going to need some tags. All right, so there we go. I'm just saying it the way it is. I'm just saying it the way it is. Me too, me too, all right. So here's the tags. So looking at Israel, what is, and, and for those of you directionally challenged, be careful before you answer, what is east of Israel? Babylon, India, that would be east, right? So what's to the west? Rome, Rome and water, yes. Um, that is correct as well, technically. Um, and there's also Greece, Greece is to the west as well. And, uh, and, so, and so, if the wise men came from the east, where did they come from? Nobody knows. Trick question. Trick question. How many wise men were there? Wrong. Nobody knows. Just, we're just, it's okay. It's like we read so much. You know what? There's so much that we take at Christmas time. It's one of my favorite things, but the Bible doesn't say how many wise men there were. It, it doesn't say. We, we have the three kings because later on in the story, we're going to find there were three gifts. And that's where that, that idea comes from. But there's, we don't know. We don't know how many there really were. Um, and so we don't know where they came from. But they, the, to the east of Israel is a place called Babylon. Even further east is India. And so theologians love to debate this. This is a fun theological debate for theologians. Some theologians think that Jesus, the wise men may come as far away as India, which would be a long, long trip, which would explain why, you know, it could have been a long time before they got there. Some think that he might have come from Babylon, and I know it looks close on that map, but let me tell you what, if you're on the camel, as we were talking about a little earlier, that is a long trip. A long trip. I believe it's, uh, I think it's over 500 miles. That's in a straight line. That's not, you know, taking doer tours. So it's a long trip, either which way. I will go ahead and share you with my, you want to know what my opinion of where they came from? Well, whether you want to or not, you're going to hear it because uh, I have this. So here's where they came from, in my opinion. I believe they came from Babylon. There's a reason behind why I believe this. It's because the Jewish people spent a little bit of time in Babylon not too long before that. Well, a little, you know, four or 500 years before that. And so I happen to think that there was a guy named Daniel in the Bible. He uh, wrote a book called Daniel. And, um, and, and so I believe that these wise men, it makes sense to me that they would have come from Babylon, that the Jewish people left behind their scriptures. And the Babylonians particularly the educated class, the scholars loved, 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 loved to read information on religions from other cultures. And so they were always collecting the, the sacred writings of other cultures, studying them and trying to learn from them. They believed that you could learn more by, by understanding more from other places. And so it makes sense to me that these Babylonian wise men, magicians, by the way, the word magi would be the same used word that would have been used for Daniel, when you go back and look at the way he was being, stu what he was being trained, it's, it says that he was trained in all the literature of Babylon, including the magic of Babylon. And so he would have been considered a magi as well. And so to me, it makes sense that this is 
where they would have come from. Do I know that for a fact? I don't. This is just me using my sacred imagination and taking a, a stab at it. But it would also explain why they, they kind of had a knowledge of, of Jewish tradition and why they would say, we're looking for the king of the Jews. And what's important about what they ask, and I don't want you to miss this if you have your Bible open to Matthew chapter 2, verse 2. They say, where is the king of the Jews? They don't say, where is the, the one that will become king of the Jews? They say, where is the newborn king of the Jews? Meaning current king. This becomes important because it will help you understand why verse 3 happens. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this. Notice the word king in front of his name. I'm not newborn. And you aren't here looking for me. And yet you're saying that there's a king in my kingdom that is a king. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. Because let's be honest, when the king's upset, everybody gets upset really quick. And Herod was absurd. And if you're not familiar with history, if you're not familiar with King Herod, this guy was a lunatic. And I'm being really nice to say it. This guy did not like anyone who might challenge his power. I mean, no one. He was infamous for killing his own family members, his own children. So for him to hear that, another king might be there, I would say Matthew probably understated how Herod was feeling about that. But Herod was also very wily, and he called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of the religious law and said, so, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? By the way, I want you to notice that he acknowledged the word, he said, where is the Messiah to be born? Which really makes things interesting a little bit later that he was willing to kill God. Think about that for a minute. He was so obsessed with his own earthly power that he was willing to take God out for it. Good thing none of us are like that at all, right? None of us want to hang on to our own earthly power at all costs. Now, the Jewish leaders, when they, when the, and the scholars, the theologians, when they got together and, and Herod asked them this question, they said, hey, good question. We're going to have to take about six months to study this out. No, that's not what the Bible says. Verse 5, right after he says, where's the Messiah supposed to be born? There's no pause. It says, in Bethlehem of Judea, they replied. So in other words, they knew. They didn't have to guess. They didn't have to research. There wasn't like, it was like just asking the Seventh-day Adventist, what day should you go to church on? They knew. They knew when. They knew that. They had an opinion. They didn't have to do research. They knew. In Bethlehem, because the scriptures say, the prophet wrote, oh, you and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come to you who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. And they actually mash up a couple verses, but the main verse that you need to be aware of that they're quoting from is the book of Micah. They're also quoting from 1 Samuel, where he's talking about a ruler there. But anyway, point is, they're quoting from the prophet Micah, saying, so they know. They know. They know the right answer. By the way, you know what else they knew? 
they knew that there had been a birth in Bethlehem recently. Luke tells a slightly different story. Luke doesn't tell the story of the wise men, but he does tell a story about some shepherds that a bunch of angels appear to, and the angels tell them that the Messiah has been born, and they go and they find the baby in just exactly the way the angels said. And the book of Luke tells us that those, those shepherds went and started spreading the news in the region. So you know what? Those religious leaders knew that there was a rumor going around that a baby had been born. They knew. And that a baby had been born in Bethlehem. They knew. Verse seven, then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back, tell me so I can go and worship him too. He didn't do the air quotes, I did that, because that's not what he wanted to do. He wanted to eradicate the Messiah. After this interview, the wise men went their way and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. By the way, this is, I just want you to get the, the real sense of this, the way in the original language. It wasn't like, they're like, yes. It was like, woo! Okay. Thank you. I was going to do it a second time. Now I don't have to. <laughs> they entered the house and they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. And then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And just like in the drama that you watched, you understand that the first gift makes sense. Gold for a king. You know, makes sense. That's the gift you would give to a king. The second gift also makes sense. It's frankincense. But I also want you to know a little bit of a deeper thing here. Frankincense is what was used uh, in incense. And incense represented prayers going up to God. And so frankincense was a sign or a gift that you would give to deity. So there is a gift that you're giving to an earthly king. There is a gift that you're giving to deity. And then there is the gift, as the drama correctly pointed out, the gift that comes at a death. Myrrh. Myrrh was used in embalming. And it was a costly gift, but it was also a very odd gift unless you had a bunch of people who had truly been studying their scriptures and actually understood the Bible better than even John the Baptist apparently did because John didn't see Christ being a suffering king. He saw him coming as a, as a liberating king. And I, that's no offense to John the Baptist whatsoever, but we know that, that John didn't truly get what Jesus' mission was. And yet these wise men in some capacity understood that Jesus was not only going to reign as an earthly king and not only as a, as a spiritual and as God, but that this God man was going to die. Powerful stuff. Think about the faith that it took to understand those things. When the time to leave came, they returned to their own country by another route for God warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. So I have a question for you. How many times in the story did the Magi exhibit faith? Now I know what you guys are used to. This is where the pastor tells you the right answer. And this is where this pastor tells you, go home and look at the story and talk about it over dinner. I'm not gonna give you the answer. Go home and look at it. How many times do the Magi exhibit faith? Surely you've seen it in what I've been talking about. The obvious is they leave the country they're in. I talked about the gifts. That's another one. 
But there are several other places in the story where you will see them exhibit extraordinary faith. So that brings me to my second question that I will discuss a little bit with you. Why did the star lead them to Jerusalem and not Bethlehem to begin with? After all, Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Why didn't God just send them on the direct route, no layovers? I want to make a suggestion to you, and I would love for you to go home and talk about it over dinner. You don't have to agree with me. You can come up with your own answer to this. Some of you will say, well, Ken, if you look at the text very carefully, you'll see that at the very beginning, it doesn't say that the star led them anywhere. It just said that they saw a star rise. They took that to be um, the king that's going to be born to the Jews. And so they traveled to Jerusalem, which would have been the natural place for somebody to show up, the capital of Israel, that's a natural place for them to show up. So that would make sense that they would go straight there. And yet when I look through the, the latter part of Matthew chapter two and look at those last verses, it becomes very clear that the star does eventually lead them to the place where Jesus was. By the way, what faith did it have to take for some very rich and wealthy people to believe that a king was living in a common home? Oh, I just told you another place there's faith, I'm sorry. Um, so why didn't the star just lead them straight to Bethlehem, let them do what they're going to do and send them on home? I want to suggest to you that God was trying to help out some people in that capital, some theologians who thought they understood everything. He was trying to help them have the faith that they needed. In other words, I want to tell you that I don't believe that God just goes, well, you don't get it, never mind. Well, you theologians in Jerusalem, you, you priests, you rulers, you pastors. I sent an angel to the shepherds. You didn't believe that. Never mind, whatever. You guys do your own thing. Instead, God sends the wise men as somewhat of a little bit of a, hey guys, come on. If these guys can get it, how about you? How about you? So when those wise men show up in Jerusalem, remember how everybody's disturbed by it. It really shakes them to the core. What, what, if... if can you imagine, by the way, it wasn't an accident or it wasn't unthought why we had Craig dressed the way we had him dress. We're very quick to write off people in other denominations and we're even more quick to write off people in other faith. How could they have anything to share with us? I want to be careful. I believe in what, I, I love my church. I think that we have a lot of great things. But is it possible that sometimes God sends people to us from other faiths to go, hey guys, wake up, wake up. You already believe this. I'm not asking you to believe something you don't believe. I'm just asking you to pay attention to what somebody over here is trying to remind you of. Those wise men were not Jewish. What could they possibly teach us? Yet they could teach those people how to have faith in something that didn't work out the way that they thought it was supposed to. The Jewish people were waiting for a conquering king. That's what they were waiting for. They wanted a Messiah that was gonna throw Rome out. But God had something else in mind for them. And that's why I believe the star led them to Jerusalem to start off with. It was a wake-up call. What do you do when God sends you wake-up calls? What do you do when somebody who you think couldn't possibly be able to give you any answers 
tells you something. I want you to think about it a little bit. You know, a little bit later in the book of Matthew, chapter eight, there's another story. And in this story, Matthew talks to us about a Roman centurion. A Roman centurion who shows up and says to Jesus, I have a servant that I'd like you to heal. And Jesus says, fine, I'll go heal him. And the Roman centurion says, no, 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 you don't. I, I get how power works. I'm a centurion. If I tell one of my servants to go, they go. I don't have to go do it. They go do it. So I know all you need to do is to say that my servant will be well and he'll be well. You don't have to go anywhere. And Jesus marvels. He says, I have not seen faith like this in Israel. And then he says these words. And I tell you this, that many Gentiles will come from all over the world, from the east and the west, and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob at the feast in the kingdom of heaven. But many Israelites, those for whom the kingdom was prepared, will be thrown into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Can we go back to the first part? I tell you that many Gentiles will come from where? Yeah, but there's two specific words there, right? Can we take a look really quick? Where was that Roman soldier from? Rome, east. Where did the wise men come? West. Both of these are recorded in the book of Matthew. Matthew's making a point. The wise men came from the east and showed faith in that baby Jesus. The Roman centurion came from the east and showed faith in Jesus the man. And yet the people that should have been ready, that should have been prepared, fell short on that faith journey. Family, I told you that at Christmas time, it's a good time for us not just to think about Jesus' first advent, but to think about his second advent as well. It's a good time to do that. And we would be foolish to think that we're somehow intellectually superior or morally superior to the Jewish leaders and the Jewish people in Jesus' time. We would be foolish to think that because human nature is human nature. And today, the challenge that I want to give you is that God has prepared a table for many to sit at. There will be people at that table that will shock you. But the real question I have for you is, are you on a faith journey with Jesus that will allow you to be at that table that's been prepared for you? God's not trying to take anything away from you. The question is, do you want to be at that table? Do you want to be on a faith journey? You know, we can talk about faith all day long. We know what the Bible says, that we're saved by grace through faith, right? But eventually you have to sit down in the chair and not just say that you have faith in the chair. If you want to sit down at the table, you got to sit down in the chair. Faith. Faith involves action always. What about you? Are you ready to walk in faith with Jesus? Are you open to Jesus leading you differently than maybe your preconceptions had you lined up for? Are you willing to be living a life of faith that allows you 
to understand and know God's voice when God speaks to you, however that voice is heard. It's my prayer this Christmas season that you will arise to faith and to take that seat that's been prepared for you at the table. Hi, this is Randy McGray, podcast producer and host here at Whole Life Church. Loving people into a lifelong friendship with God is our mission at the Whole Life Church, and our podcasts are designed to help facilitate conversations that help us grow together in that pursuit. Now that you've heard the message for this week, don't forget to check out the Whole Life Takeaways for this message. Swipe up in today's show notes and join the conversation. Speaking of conversations, each Wednesday morning we take a closer look at the week's message. That's right, the one you just listened to. We discuss practical ways to apply spiritual lessons and ask honest questions about the issues we face as Christians, all focused through the lens of grace. Your voice is a welcomed addition to that conversation. We encourage your thoughts and your questions by sending a voicemail or text to 407-965-1607 or send an email to podcast at wholelife.church. You can find everything podcast-related on our website, wholelife.church slash podcast. And plan on spending every Tuesday evening and Wednesday morning with us as we bring you the Whole Life Church inspiration you love straight into your headphones. Thanks for listening and have a great week.